I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got two musicians who are no longer with us, Lou Reed and Yassos. Lou Reed died in 2013, and Yassos left this dimension on January 6th. They couldn't be more different. Lou Reed, founder of the Velvet Underground and purveyor of intelligent but often transgressive rock, and Yassos, one of the original New Age musicians. But surprisingly, they shared a similar musical plane when Reed released his album, Hudson River Wind Meditations in 2007. It is a purely ambient electronic release and it's just been reissued in a deluxe edition on the Light in the Attic label. I interviewed Lou in 2007 and I've got that for you. Yassos was always in this ambient zone draped in New Age mysticism. I talked to him in 1983 for the Totally Wired Artists in Electronic Sound series. In that episode, I paired him up with Stephen Halpern, the other New Age pioneer. We'll hear that as well. Before we get there, I want to tell you about Echoes Online. That's where you can hear our two-hour Echoes radio programs on demand. We produce 10 hours a week, and you can dial them up on the free Echoes app or your computer and get them anywhere you can get an internet connection. Enter the bliss of Echoes whenever you want by subscribing to Echoes Online at echoes.org. Yassos and Steve Halpern coming up, and trust me, it's a trip. But first, Lou Reed's meditative side. Lou is an iconic figure in modern music, the founder of the Velvet Underground. He provided a counterpart to the hippies and flower power of the era, trawling a darker and seedier side of life. As a solo artist, he's pretty much done the same thing with a lean, distorted guitar sound and songs that were often grittier than a back alley. But there's another side to Lou as well, one that's experimental and meditative. It came out on a 2007 CD called Hudson River Wind Meditations, an all-electronic disc of drones and ambiences. We don't play Lou often on the Echoes radio show for obvious reasons, so there was never a chance I'd have an opportunity to interview him. But then he released Hudson River Wind Meditations. I thought, when else would I have an opportunity to do this? I was a little more nervous than usual, having heard that Lou could be a bit cantankerous and seeing him eviscerate some interviewers. I remember going to his management office in New York. He was late and distant until I handed him our brochure, which at the time had a photo of his wife, Laurie Anderson, on the cover. As he got into the interview, he warmed up, and when his manager stuck his head in to give Lou an out if he wanted it, Lou waved him off. Kimberly Haas brings you my interview with Lou Reed about Hudson River Wind Meditations. Back in 1975, Lou Reed released a double LP called Metal Machine Music. It was an album of raging feedback, with no drums, no rhythm, and no melodies, except those engendered by the clashing overtones. At the time, many wrote it off as a joke, or an album to break a recording contract. I've heard all the rumors about that, and uh, none of it's true. I mean, I'm in love with it. Was in love with it then, am in love with it now. Three decades later, 
The guitarist who founded the Velvet Underground and who has been an icon of the tougher face of rock has released the flip side to metal machine music. It's called Hudson River Wind Meditations, and it's as calm and ambient as metal machine music is loud and dissonant. The yin and yang of the whole thing is, is actually kind of funny, but it seems like it's such a natural progression. I was practicing some of these things on a record I made called The Raven. I did a thing called Fire Music, which was my response to 9-11. And I was playing around with a lot of electronics and all these same ideas. They, they end up being on this record. There's an entire industry built up around meditation music. We get hundreds of those CDs in every year at Echoes. Pick your new age or alternate spirituality and discipline, and someone's making music aimed at that market. Music for yoga, music for meditation, music for Reiki healing. It's usually soothing, completely harmonic, and produced by people with names like Liquid Mind, Kamal, and Bhakta. Lou Reed's Hudson River Wind Meditations doesn't sound like that. Sitting in his manager's office in New York, Lou Reed is probably in much better shape than anyone of 65 years has a right to be, who's engaged in the drugs and lifestyle he's documented in his songs. That was the Lou Reed of Walk on the Wild Side and Heroin. Cause it makes me feel like I'm a man when I put a spike into my vein And I tell you things aren't quite the same when I'm rushing on my run like Jesus' son, and I guess that I just don't know, and I guess that I just don't know. Lou Reed is more likely to talk about Tai Chi poses than needles in veins these days. He's been practicing the martial art of Tai Chi since the mid-1980s with Master Ren Guangyi. Reed produced a DVD for him with both meditative music and more energized techno grooves. Our Tai Chi is called Chen Tai Chi, and it's both slow and fast. And I wanted to see if I could make a music that when you started doing the form to that music, you got energy from it. That was the whole idea. And the guinea pig was me, but I also you know, did it with my teacher, Ren Guangyi. Nothing done without his approval, believe you me. <laughs> but while the motivation for Hudson River wind meditations is in Tai Chi, the genesis isn't in meditation music at all. It's in the earliest days of minimalism in the 1960s, when composer Lamont Young was running his Theater of Eternal Music, featuring long compositions based on drones. Velvet Underground violist and bassist John Cale was a member of Young's group, and Lou Reed was exposed to that sound. He even cited Young in the liner notes to metal machine music. I've been listening to the, um, certain kinds of music like that for a very long time. You know, it's in my guitar playing also. I mean, I've spent my life playing around with the harmonics from a note. I've always been aware and fascinated by the fact if you generate these two harmonics when they hit each other, they make a third that wasn't played. And that, that generates more. But uh, that idea 
was going side by side with some of these other ideas these other composers were doing where they're playing around with harmonics in a different format. That's, that leads me right into now, you know, where the kind of guitar solos I'm doing. When I was trying to put this music together, I wanted to have that kind of activity in it. Although the surface is simple and static, Lou Reed says he spent years on this work, minutely tuning its sound. There are a lot of things going on in there that you may not notice the first couple of times around that are really fun. Hector Castillo, the engineer, and Hal Wilner, who worked on this with me. And there was some of these notes that we would combine or shave to make it clearer or make it deeper or not so deep. Lou Reed says that if you walk into his office or studio, chances are Hudson River Wind Meditations will be playing. I can use it for a lot of different things, including just be there as uh, the way a tree is there. In my place, I have it going all day which is better than listening to traffic. I don't think that's the slogan that the Sounds True label will be using in their publicity for Lou Reed's Hudson River Wind Meditations. Lou Reed's Metal Machine music is still in print, and an acoustic version has just been recorded by the Zeitkratzer Orchestra. For Echoes, I'm Kimberly Haas. I don't think the light in the attic, the label reissuing Hudson River Wind Meditations, will use that slogan as well. It's a deluxe edition with a booklet and several interviews, including an excerpt from this one. Lou left the planet in 2013. He would do one more studio album, a collaboration with Metallica. I will have a link to Hudson River Wind Meditations in the posting for today's podcast. It's at echoes.org. You won't find a musician more different from Lou Reed than Yasos. The New Age pioneer left the planet on January 6 at age 77. We haven't played him so much in recent years on Echoes, but there's no doubting his influence. His 1975 album Interdimensional Music and Stephen Halpern's Spectrum Suite were the first trips into the modern New Age movement. And Yasos played flute on Halpern's Spectrum Suite as well. I interviewed both Yasos and Stephen Halpern in 1983 in their respective homes in the San Francisco Bay Area. I put those together in episode 16 of the radio series, Totally Wired, Artists in Electronic Sound. Here we go, back 40 years to Yasos and Stephen Halpern with Electronic Meditations. There is nothing that can be of greater spiritual help than music. Meditation is a preparation for perfection, but it is music that comes nearest to it. These are the words of Hazrat Inayat Khan, Sufi master. Throughout my career, I've been working primarily with uh, the concept of music that will 
uplift and harmonize the listeners. In other words, the function of art and music, as I, as I feel it and know it, is not just as an intellectual discipline, but something that literally raises life spirit, raises the, the consciousness, and feels good and sounds good. And so all these dimensions exist simultaneously in the same space, like right here where we are, there are other things happening, although we're not tuned into them because our senses are tuned into this dimension where we have bodies. Now, some of these other dimensions are higher in frequency in terms of their carrier frequency, the basic vibration is much higher, and the type of life that goes there is equivalent to us. People on that, on that level consider it tangible, just like we consider this dimension tangible. And the higher levels are much more harmonious, much more beautiful, much more aesthetic. There's much more flexibility in energy manipulation and uh, pattern manipulation through consciousness. For example, they have concerts there where the concert master would have maybe tiers of millions of angelic beings and he'd give out his concert through his third eye, just beaming it out and they'd all be in rapturous uh, ecstasy just listening to it. Steve Halpern and Yasos, echoing in their own ways the words of Sufi master Hazrat Inayat Khan. These two musicians from the West Coast use synthesizers, electronics, and modern recording technology to put their listeners in touch with the healing and cosmic aspects of sound in electronic meditations. Totally Wired, Artists in Electronic Sound. The music of yesterday may never be the same. The music of tomorrow may be sounds we've never heard. We live in an electronic world. These are the sound shapers of our era. Totally Wired. Yasos and Steve Halpern are fixtures in the burgeoning New Age movement, an umbrella term covering everything from transcendental meditation and est to hot tubs. Halpern is the best known of the two. He's released nearly 20 recordings in the last 10 years or so, plus several instructional cassettes with titles like Western Meditation and Human Cybernetics. He has his own label, Halpern Sounds, that pioneered the marketing of New Age music in health food stores and by mail order. He calls his music anti-frantic alternatives, a concept of meditative and healing music for which he obtained a PhD as an independent study from the Sierra Nevada University in Spain. He's also written a book on the subject called Tuning the Human Instrument, an Owner's Manual. Halpern claims that he composes music that can heal the body and the mind. In the early days, the music that first came out as part of Spectrum Suite was even in those days called part of the anti-frantic alternative. So it was coming in uh, in the field of what was called meditation and relaxation and stress reduction music. Music, in addition to everything else it is, is a carrier wave for consciousness. And whether we're working at a grand piano or a synthesizer or whatever other instrument we're talking about, the consciousness of the performer comes through. And even more important than just how the music is played and what fingers and possible what prodigious dig digital dexterity is being demonstrated is where is the mind, where is the consciousness 
the ego of the performer when he or she is producing and uh, transmitting the music. Because the listeners pick up on that. We know through uh, muscle testing and applied kinesiology that there are ways that this can be physically demonstrated, as well as just the, the way that people respond to the music. Yeah, that feels good. Or I listen to that music and I get a stomach ache without realizing that it really could be the music. Or maybe the performer was uptight when they were playing, whether it's, again, electrical or acoustic instruments in the recording session. Yasos's metaphysical shtick is something called interdimensional music. He's not just tuning the body and mind. He's more like an emissary from a different dimension, translating their sounds for us, and hopefully providing a sonic pathway into these higher states of being. Interdimensional music is a humble attempt to transcribe or recreate music that is typical of these higher dimensions right here on this physical dimension using conventional Earth technology. Yasos is Greek-born, but has lived in the United States for most of his life. He won't let out what his name was prior to becoming Yasos, but he is in his mid-thirties and has been making interdimensional music since the mid-seventies. He releases cassettes and videotapes on his Galaxia Creations label. It might seem strange that these artists would use electronic instruments and technology to get closer to the cosmos, human feelings, and for Yasos, past life experiences. But Yasos and Halpern claim that these instruments have unlocked sounds and expressions that they couldn't have obtained otherwise. For many years, I used to practice my flute, trying to get the intense emotional passion effects that Jimi Hendrix would get on electric guitar, because I loved it, because his level of uh, mastery of carving melody through time is magnificent. And he would squeeze a lot of intense emotions into it as well. So I'd be trying to do that on flute, no matter how I tried, I could never get near the emotional effect that many years later I realize is because the tone of a flute does not have the passion effect on the emotional body that the tone of a guitar does, especially if you fuzz it a little bit. Well, now with this Prodigy-X keyboard, I can get that type of tone. So with a very, rather effortless manner, it's very easy for me to get tremendously passionate emotional effects if I wish to. And uh, this particular keyboard to me is very emotional also because it has uh, something which to me is erotic. It's pressure sensitivity. <laughs> which means on the key, if you press down a note, you hear the note, and if you press even harder, something else will start happening, depending on what you punch in for the pressure sensitivity. I usually punch in vibrato, so if I just press it, you hear the note, and if I'm feeling really emotional, I press harder, the note starts vibrating with the vibrato. So it's a very direct hookup, phase lock loop between your heart and the actual sound. So, in terms of me just flying out far out emotions, at the moment it's probably the most emotional instrument I have. It just happens to be electronic, but I love the most.
not being able to deal with orchestras and hearing orchestrations of strings, of organs and, and voices like that, the advent of synthesizers was an incredible boon to me as it has been for many other people. For years I was looking uh, for a way to get a choir sound and in the process, without dealing of course with, with a whole bunch of people, in the process I wound up getting the last orchestron that came off the assembly line and uh, to this day it's one of the things that hangs out in my archives. Now it doesn't work anymore but got enough sound from it for a while that I was able to get an effect. So some of the sounds that I use are just for not, 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 not technically effects but almost a subliminal effect of having them in the mix rather than having to be just up front that do things certainly that even regular people can't do. And that's been real useful in getting the music that I've been hearing inside out into audible reality. Uh, the orchestra had real voices encoded onto the disc as a generating uh, process. We know that all life is electrical, and whether something is being uh, described as a piece of wood, piece of ivory, as a piano, or an oscillator as part of a synthesizer, they're at their core, they're both vibrating atoms and molecules, and matter and reality by its nature is, is electric. What is more important is what the person does with that piano or with that synthesizer. That can be healing, that can be uplifting. And there are the ways to play a piano that are very discordant and very unlife supporting. And just because, you know, whether it's a piano or a violin, any of the traditional uh, grand instruments is no no longer a reason to say it's better. It's different and I find all the different keyboards that I play have different qualities. And it's not necessary to say the piano is better than the Fender Rhodes. They're different. I use them for different expressions and I am able to play with each as I am with the other instruments in a way that evokes uh, positive responses for myself and uh, my listeners. Even when they employ acoustic instruments, Halpern and Yassos record them electronically taking special care to place the sounds in space, controlling depth of perception and points along the stereophonic spectrum and between the notes. In Halpern's music, like Spectrum Suite and Starborn Suite, he lets the notes of his piano resonate unimpeded, echoing in reverberant space. For me, the symphony that I hear in the overtones is at least as significant and important for me, both in my composition and in my performance and just in my listening, as the main notes. In other words, it's like the, uh, the, the ghost notes, the astral notes of the main notes that I'll play on the piano or the synthesizer. What happens after in the blending of the overtones uh, on the Fender Rose with the uh, stereo vibrato on the grand piano with the sustain pedal just evokes a whole other world of music and that's, that's been very, very useful for me. Careful marking of a grand piano will do it, will do it all for the grand piano. But with, mo with most other instruments, 
And with many of my recent recordings, if we didn't have the Eventide harmonizer and some of the other digital delays and some of the, uh, the new Lexicon 224, we could not get the sounds that we're getting. And yet these were sounds that I was hearing organically inside me. And how I work in the studio is very often going for the sound. And I will be, you know, I'm sure like many other people do, you get the sound that you are hearing, and then the music just unfolds automatically. It's effortless. But until the sound is right, until the echo and the overtones are, are blending and are, are resonating in the way that, that they should be, the music isn't happening. So yes, it's uh, definitely the whole new world of sound that opens up through some of the outboard gear and some of the ways that the synthesizers can stretch time, can open up the inner dimension. designing the great cathedrals and the, and the pyramids, you find out that they were very much aware of the capacity of the actual structure itself to tune sound, to be a tuned resonant chamber, that the great pyramid, for instance, resonates to a certain frequency that uplifts and strengthens the vibrations of an individual. Uh, they're tuned to uh, basically a tonal center of C about 256 cycles per second. The great cathedrals in Europe also made sound sound heavenly because they're adding that extra dimension of reverb and echo. So now we are recreating this in anechoic chambers and different things through the marvels of, of uh, electronic technology. But people have known about this for thousands of years. It's hard to talk with a new age person without pyramids coming into the conversation. But for Yasos, the chambers of sound are generated between the cups of his headphones. Yes, headphones is very important to me because I'm into 3D stereo. 3D stereo is getting uh, rich depth effects with stereo that you can experience on headphones, but you cannot experience with stereo speakers because to get precise localization of the sound, the left channel needs to go only to the left ear and the right channel needs to go only to the right ear. With headphones, you get that separation, but with speakers, what comes out of the right speaker goes to both ears, not just the right ear, and that blurs the stereo image. I have 3D effects that are so 3D on headphones, like in Crystal White Firelight, for example, where it sounds like multiple planets orbiting around your head, not just left, right, left, right, but actually orbiting, you know, front, back, front, back, and different planets simultaneously orbiting at different orbit speeds and different radiuses, and you can feel each one independent of the others. Other effects to where sounds are going from close left to center infinitely far, or close right to center infinitely far, or other sounds like a fountain which starts in the center of your head and blooms up to the left and blooms up to the right, etc. And those effects to me are very important. To me, the ultimate intended manner of experiencing my music is through stereo headphones. It's mental choreography. You decide where you want the sound to be within your head, and you put it there. And when people listen to this music on headphones, it tends to generate a three-dimensional hologram in their mind. And curiously enough, that's because it starts off by being a mental hologram in my mind, and the most precise way to translate that into the other person's mind is through a headphone transfer. 
Yasos use their music therapeutically. Yasos claims that his music can do everything from manipulating emotions to triggering past life recall in his listeners. Halpern's anti-frantic alternatives are designed to affect the body physically. On a piece like Spectrum Suite, each cut has a keynote, like C, which has a matched color, like red, and which vibrates to a certain part of the body, in this case, the groin. musical listener as a musical listener the main thing is just to listen to the spaces between the notes to get into the state of both the composer when he was doing the music and of where the music is and where the music is coming from and when you get into the state where you listen to the music with your entire body not just with the ears and not just with the intellect uh, you will find it very very easy to get into those added dimensions of sound that just add so much, so much to the total enjoyment benefit uh, and just the aesthetic pleasure of the music that you're listening to, whether it's my own or anyone else's. We know that the entire body is literally a human instrument. The entire body responds to sound. And whether you're listening to earphones or pointing the soles of your feet towards the speakers to experience a different kind of soul music, working with the body, both as a performer and as a listener, is a very, very useful way of expanding your world of sound. I do it all the time and it's uh, certainly opened up whole new worlds for me. I have learned this amazing relationship between frequencies and emotions, which is this. A certain specific relationship of frequencies will generate a particular emotional effect particular emotion, particular feeling. And strangely enough, it's not the frequencies that count, but the relationship of frequencies that create that. 
Now in music they call that a chord or a scale. A particular chord will create a particular emotional effect and I can change the whole chord to a different key and the same emotional effect will be there. So the actual frequencies are different but the frequency relationships are the same and because of that the emotional effect is the same. Well when you realize that then you realize that to a great extent a classical composition which is a series of chords is a series of emotions. The composer is taking you through a sequence of emotions where each chord is a particular emotional flavor and you go from this subtle emotional shade to that flavor to that one to that one. And so uh, a lot of what I'm doing is creating an emotional experience through chords and through manipulating chords. So rather than just random sounds of white noise and phasing white noise, I'm very interested in chords because chords define emotions. As a curious a footnote in the Urantia book, which is a very metaphysical book, they refer to the celestial musicians or the composers on higher levels that create intergalactic paradise music. They refer to them as, quote, expert emotion manipulators. Yasos not only manipulates emotion, but time. He records his synthesizer, flutes, and guitar and turns them upside down in the recording process, extending their resonance, stretching them out in time, and reversing them so that they have no definable beginning or end. So you even have a word for it now, non-real time. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I use it a lot myself. You can do things that are so far out, you can, besides the obvious thing of making it go slower or faster, you can make it go backwards, or backwards slower, or backwards faster. And then you can take it farther out than that, you can record something backwards, I mean you can record something, play the tape backwards, add echo or reverb while the tape's being played backwards, then put it frontwards again. And then the echo precedes the sound rather than following it, pre-echo, pre-reverb. And so it's wonderfully flexible and I love it and I take full advantage of it. <laughs> it's a wonderful, precious tool. Curiously enough, uh, curiously enough, there's a very interesting consciousness impact from, from fooling around with pre-echo or pre-reverb, which is that normally sounds die away, like da-da, 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 da-da. With pre-echo or pre-reverb, it gives you the sense of precognition. You're seeing what's about to happen. Go, 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 like that, see what I mean? Far, 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 far. And so it uh, is a model of precognition, so it tends to trigger that and people listen to music that has a lot of that in it. The idea of playing with time is derived from Eastern sensibilities rather than Western. Another way this turns up in their music is the use of drones, inspired by the modal sounds of an Indian tambura. Synthesizers have reawakened this idea in many musicians. In most music throughout the world, there was a concept of drone. Moroccan music, the, the bells droning, the drums droning, and the flutes droning. Uh, it's only Western European music that has eliminated that vital function of music. So yes, uh, the recreation of the tambura effect by electronics and using those harmonics to get some of those same buzzing qualities is, is uh, vital to a lot of the uh, composers who work in the field because it does a certain thing to the brain state of the composer performer when he's playing and does the same thing to the listener in the same way that the uh, continuous sound of the tambura did it and does it to Indian musicians and to audiences who like that kind of music. Uh, it sets up a uh, resonant pattern 
in the body of the listener, in the brain, mind, body of the listener, that literally sets the stage, sets the entire harmonic uh, environment so that you don't have to go through many chord changes, for instance. The whole field is laid out in a, uh, a chordal harmonic context, a tonal center. Oh yes, uh, the droning quality is one of the wonderful things about electronic music, which is more difficult to get acoustically. If you pluck a string, it dies out, or if you're vibrating a, a violin string with a bow, it'll just go as long as you're vibrating the bow, or if you hit a piano note, that'll die down. So they're beautiful rich tones, but they tend to decay. They don't really last. If you're holding your voice, it stops when you run out of air. Whereas electronically, the sounds may not be as rich. The actual tones may not be as alive, but you can get them to sustain. Now, the beautiful thing about this is not that it is like Indian music, but that this and Indian music are both like what I would call cosmic music. There is continual broadcast of celestial music going on continuously on higher strata of consciousness. And for those that can tune into it, it's always happening. And a lot of this music tends to be drones or just continuous sounds. The music of the spheres is an excellent example of a continuous drone. <laughs> it's always here as long as the galaxies are here. <laughs> and so, there are universal circuits with music going on continuously that are nothing but drones but slow gradual improvisations on that celestial theme. It's not exactly the same. There's enough subtle change going on to where it's interesting. And so anything that approximates that tends to have a high consciousness effect. And Indian music does approximate that, so it has a high consciousness effect. And electronic instruments can approximate that. So it's not that electronic music is like Indian music, it's just that both Indian music and electronics can, are capable of simulating cosmic music which does tend to just wonderfully go on forever. It gives one a sense of eternity or the fact that the present is always happening right now, the eternal present. Basically, the universe is, is humming, it's vibrating, there's, there's sound going on. And it's, it's eternal. I mean, it really, I mean, so far as we know, it brings up all those philosophical and religious aspects. It didn't have a beginning, it didn't have an end, it's just going on. Albert and Yasos are only two among many New Age musicians who use electronics to express the unknown, the mysterious, and the mystical realms of spiritual thought, consciousness, and space. They may be creating the 20th century own of electronic meditations. Totally Wired, Artists in Electronic Sound, was produced by John DiLiberto and Kimberly Haas for radio station WXPN in Philadelphia. Funding was provided by Sequential Circuits Incorporated, makers of electronic keyboard instruments, Yamaha Corporation, makers of electronic and acoustic instruments, 
the Pennsylvania Humanities Council and the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts. Boy, have our voices changed in the last 40 years. I feel like I should have paid more attention to Yasos in this century. He definitely had a unique sound that was outside of New Age cliches. And he was a character. He has left the planet, but you might wonder if he always existed in other dimensions. And just a side note, Stephen Halpern is still very much with us and as prolific as ever. If you want to ensure interviews like this in the Echoes podcast and the Echoes radio show, make a donation to Echoes on our website, echoes.org. Just hit the support tab at echoes.org. It's a new year. Start it out right and donate now. Next week in the Echoes podcast, I've got another electronic musician who's been around for quite some time, Tim Story. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online, right now, or whenever you want.